0: Chapter Four of the Story of the World: A Simple History for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Butros. Chapter Four: The Athens of Pericles and Socrates. Athens had very nobly allowed the Spartans to take the lead in the great struggle with Persia, but once the danger was past, the old jealousy between the two states broke out again. Pausanias, the Spartan leader, who had fought so bravely and won so glorious a victory at Plataea, soon proved himself unworthy of the position he held. And Athens took advantage of this, to place an Athenian at the head of her fleet. Pausanias was found to be writing to the Persians, and even planning to give Greece up into the power of the great king, if he himself should be allowed to marry the king's daughter, and if all sorts of riches were showered upon him. When the Spartans sent messages to the Persians through Pausanias it was noticed that no answer ever came, and so a slave who was given a letter to take opened it to see what it said. He found that it merely told the Persians to kill the messenger himself. The slave took the letter to the judges at Sparta, and Pausanias, who had already been called back to Sparta, was condemned to death. He fled for shelter to the temple of Athene, and as it was not considered right to kill a man in so holy a place, or even violently to drag him forth, the Spartans ordered that the doors of the temple should be blocked up and the roof taken off, so that Pausanias soon died a miserable death through cold and hunger. Meanwhile, the Athenians had built very strong walls round their city, and round their port at the Piraeus. Now with such strong walls and their mighty fleet, they had no need to fear anybody, and the Spartans were surprised and angry to find that the new leader they sent to Athens in place of Pausanias was sent back with the message that the Athenians had chosen a leader of their own. After this there was a terrible enmity between Sparta and Athens. Athens was now quite equal in wealth and importance to Sparta, and she took steps to make herself still richer and more powerful. She kept up an immense navy, and many of the islands in the Aegean Sea, Thrace and some of the Greek colonies in Asia Minor joined in a league with Athens. They were all to send ships and sailors, and all to defend each other against any enemy. The league was called the Confederacy of Delos, and all the money belonging to it was kept at the temple of Apollo at Delos, and each state sent men there to worship the god. But in time Athens often allowed the other states to send money instead of ships, and after a while she forgot that the other states had joined her of their own free will, and she began to think herself the chief state of a sort of empire, with the other states paying tribute to her. In the end this was very bad for Athens, for it made the other states angry and ready to help her enemies against her. But this was not for a long time yet, and for many years Athens grew richer and richer. She kept up an immense navy, but there was more money than was needed for that, and some of this was spent on raising beautiful buildings in Athens and making life very easy for her people. Even the men who met in their parliament to rule the state were paid for their time and trouble. The Athenians became great traders and sent their merchant ships to all parts of Greece. Gold and silver were quite common. But the Athenians were not like the Persians, who wasted their wealth on mere splendor and show. Nor had they any sympathy with the Spartans, who, however rich they might be, would never change from their plain hard way of living. The Athenians loved beautiful things and they spent their money in making their city perfect, and in giving joy and pleasure to all the citizens. Pericles. The chief man in democratic Athens for many years after the Persian Wars was Pericles, one of the most famous men who have ever lived. He never trusted Sparta, and knew that a great struggle with that state must come some day. He was made general of the Athenian people, but he was always careful to remember that he held power from the people, who chose him to rule as their best and wisest citizen. Unlike so many of even the bravest Greeks, he was faithful and honest in small things as well as great. He was kind, too, and on his deathbed, when the men round him were talking of the great and noble things he had done, He reminded them that he was to be praised not for these things, but because he had never caused sorrow to a fellow-citizen. This was remarkable at a time when the Greeks were terribly cruel and revengeful to anyone who offended them. Yet Pericles had done wonderful things for which his fellow-citizens might justly praise him it was said that he found athens of brick and left it of marble the whole city had practically to be built again after the persian attack a giant statue of the goddess athene made of bronze was made and placed on the highest point of the acropolis then the Athenians planned and built the Parthenon, a beautiful temple of marble, the ruins of which remain to-day, to show men how beautiful the buildings of Greece could be. Right round the outside of the temple ran a frieze or band of sculpture, carved by Phidias, perhaps the greatest sculptor who has ever lived, and by his pupils. Bits of this frieze have since been carried off by other nations. Some may be seen in the British Museum in London, and others in the Museum of the Louvre in Paris. They are considered among our greatest treasures of art. Inside the temple was another immense figure of Athene, carved by Phidias himself from ivory and gold, as marble was not considered rich enough. The great public buildings were adorned with pictures telling of the legends of early Greece and of the wars of later times. A great theatre, too, was built. It was a fine building, and had no roof, so that the Athenians with their fine climate could see plays acted in perfect comfort. Just as the age of Pericles was the time when the greatest artists of Athens lived, so too it was the age of the great athenian playwriters. it seemed as though the joy of victory over the persians had spread through the nation and inspired the cleverest men in the most wonderful way this kind of thing has often been noticed in the history of nations a nation will grow strong and fight for its freedom and it will be found that the age of great soldiers will be also the age of great poets the first of the great playwriters of Greece was Aeschylus, and he fought with all his strength at Marathon. In the age of Pericles lived two other great tragic playwriters, Sophocles and Euripides, and their plays, which students read today with the greatest admiration, were then played before the Athenian people in their beautiful open air theatre and the people wept over them and gained new ideas from them, and went away full of joy and wonder at the beautiful things they had seen and heard. Sophocles had been a boy of sixteen at the time of the Battle of Salamis, and he was chosen because he was so beautiful, and could play so well on the lyre, to lead the chorus of boys who took part in the thanksgiving ceremonies on the island of Salamis to celebrate the victory. Then, too, there was Aristophanes, a writer of comedies which made people laugh instead of weep. SOCRATES The age of Pericles was the time, too, when the great Greek thinkers and philosophers gave their teaching to the world. The first great Greek philosopher was Socrates. The most educated of the Greeks had begun to ask questions about the real meaning of the world and the things around them, but Socrates was the first who gave any real answer. He understood that the tales about the gods of Greece and of the other nations could not be true, and that there could only be one God. He might have been seen any day in the streets of Athens asking questions of boys and young men, who crowded round him to listen to his wise answers. When they gave foolish or thoughtless answers, he laughed, and showed how necessary it is to think before we speak. Socrates was a little ugly man with a flat, snub nose, but he was a very noble character. He would talk to any man he met, workmen as well as scholars, and he longed to help men to be good and truthful. He loved the town with its crowds and liveliness, and many of the people loved him. He dressed always in the poorest clothes and ate the simplest food for he thought that these things did not matter. He cared only for knowledge and goodness. In the end he had a very sad death. Some of the people at whom he had laughed were very angry with him. Others thought that it was very dangerous that their young men should be told that the old tales about the gods were not true." After the death of Pericles, the Athenians, spoilt by success, had grown very changeable and restless. Socrates irritated them by insisting that goodness consisted in doing right, and that offerings to the gods were of no use without this. Thirty years after the death of Pericles, Socrates, now seventy years of age, Was called before the judges and put on trial for offenses against the gods and the state. He was condemned to die, but did not seem in the least afraid. He even vexed the judges by joking on the subject. When they asked him to suggest what else the Athenians might do to him, instead of putting him to death, He suggested that they should keep him in a certain hall in Athens where men who had served the state were kept at the expense of the state. The judges indignantly passed sentence of death on the old philosopher, and he spent some time in prison before the time appointed for his death. One of his followers told Socrates how sad he was because he was being put to death without deserving it. But Socrates replied, smiling, that it would have been much worse if he had deserved it. He declared that no real harm could happen to a good man in this life or the next. The Greeks used to give poison to a condemned man, and allow him to drink it himself at any moment he might choose. Socrates drank the hemlock with his friends around him, and when they broke out in cries and tears, he begged them to be quiet and allow him to die in peace. It was not many years before the Athenians were very sorry indeed for the way Socrates had been treated, and those who had caused his death were punished. The death of Socrates came when Athens had fallen far from her greatness in the days of Pericles in the days of pericles he was still held in great honor it was in wars against the other states of greece that athens lost her riches and her power pericles knew that a struggle with sparta must come and he did all he could to strengthen athens for the fight he built the famous long walls from athens down to the sea reaching the coast at the Piraeus, the port of Athens. No better plan could have been made for the safety of Athens. It would for the future be of little use for Sparta, or any other state, to besiege her by land, for food could always be brought in ships to the port, and then carried between the two long walls into the city." Twice in the early years of Pericles' rule, Sparta had taken arms against Athens, but peace had been made. It was not until two years before his death that the famous war between Sparta and Athens, known as the Peloponnesian War, broke out. The policy of Pericles had prepared Athens for the struggle but she was weakened by jealousies among the members of the Confederacy of Delos, whom she had treated so proudly and so unjustly. Other causes helped to make Sparta win, and the later history of Athens, in its sadness and gloom, serves to throw into contrast her wonderful activity and prosperity in the age of Pericles. End of chapter 4